Live around the globe, it's time for Rudy Max's World on the SSI Radio Network. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Get on the phone now and call 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. And now, the savvy traveler himself, Rudy Maxa. Welcome back to Rudy Max's World, the second big hour where we talk travel and aim to help you travel smart, whether it's a trip across town or across an ocean. Well, you probably read this week that more than 90 cabins were shut down in Yosemite National Park because they're believed to be where a mouse-borne virus uh, that killed two people originated. In the past two weeks, two people have died of Hanta or Hanta virus pulmonary syndrome after staying in the so-called signature cabins at Curry Village in Yosemite. In a few minutes, we're going to talk with our resident infectious disease specialist, Dr. Brad Spellman, about what that virus is and how to avoid it. And then we're going to take a look at another casualty in the Syrian conflict, the country's archaeological treasures and artifacts. We discussed this not long ago in connection with the looting that's been going on in Egypt since the breakdown of law enforcement in that country. But now it's Syria's turn. We'll talk with a grad student who's visited Syria several times about the toll the fighting there is taking on national treasure. By the way, Brad's last name is Spellberg, not Spellman, as I just told you, as I'll correct when we introduce him in about two minutes. And there's a new website for travelers called Love It. It's sort of a smash-up of Pinterest and travel blogs. You're going to meet the co-founder on the site later this hour and learn why it might be of interest to you. And maybe you saw the first episode of that new Gordon Ramsay show on Fox. The celebrity chef turns his attention to hotels in a series called Hotel Hell, in which he goes into hotels and shakes things up. We're going to talk with the owner of a San Diego hotel who got the Ramsey treatment. And boy, did he get the treatment and see if uh, he learned from it or whether he sort of resents the guy. Deals of the week. I will mention a couple at the end of the hour. First, take, let's take a look at some of this week's news and travel. United Airlines computers went on the blink again early this past week, stranding and delaying thousands of passengers. It was just recently when United and Continental merged that their computer systems uh, crashed as well, only worse. I don't know. Call me crazy, but wouldn't you think by now United would have a backup system? The other culprit when it came to canceled flights this week was, of course, Hurricane Isaac. Um, there were more than 5,000 delays and 440 flights canceled on Monday, and things got worse as the storm neared Louisiana's southern coast. Worst-hit airports were New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Mobile, Alabama, Jackson, Mississippi, Lafayette, L.A., Shreveport, Biloxi. Most airports have resumed operation, including New Orleans, by yesterday, Friday. But it'll take a day or so for aircraft to be properly repositioned and stranded passengers to get sorted out to their destinations. Now to the terrible news that two people who stayed in a particular cabin complex in Yellowstone Park have died as a, as a result of a virus apparently carried by mice that were nesting in the cabin's walls. Brad Spellberg is our, as I said, our resident infectious disease expert. He's the author of the book called Rising Plague that details the increase in antibiotic resistance diseases. He's also an associate professor of medicine at the David Geffen School of Medicine. Brad, welcome back to the show. Thanks very much. So what's going through your mind as you read news stories of these two deaths and a couple of related illnesses that apparently had their beginnings in these Yellowstone cabins? Well, I guess a couple of things. One is that I think it highlights that uh, strange infections can come on and hit people when you don't expect it, and that's kind of why there are people like me in business. Uh, and two is that when you hear about infections in rural areas like that, you you often think of things that are related to animals and or, or ticks or, or fleas and stuff like that. Or arthropod-borne, that means insect-borne, 
or animal zoonotic infections are the kinds of things you think about. Well, news reports uh, are suggesting that 10,000 people may have been exposed. These are folks who, I guess, stayed this summer in these cabins. If they're not sick now, might they become sick later, these other 9,900 and whatever? Well, yes. I mean, so I think the the first point is that we always need to keep uh, perspective and not panic. So let's just remember there are millions of people a year that go to Yosemite. There were 10,000 people in those cabins. Thus far, there have been six cases, of which four have been linked to the cabin. So, you know, it's not like there is a global pandemic going on here. Right. There have yes. been a couple. There, so it's relatively small number of cases, number one. Number two, uh, the incubation period is, you know, a few days to a week, all the way out to six weeks. So it is possible that more cases will be identified in the coming weeks. Okay, and and I gather this is transmitted by, it must be through the air, right? Microbes yes. in the air from 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 mouse urine or whatever waste. Yes, it's it's uh, airborne aerosolization of mouse particulates. So it's mouse poop, mouse urine. Um, it may be transmissible by contact with those substances as well. If you touch them and then you touch your mucosal surfaces, your eye, your mouth, for example, that may also be trans, uh, one way it's transmitted, but it's predominantly probably airborne transmitted. All right, so what can you do? I guess there's nothing that these six folks could have done to prevent this, not knowing that there were my, mouse particulates in the air in their cabins, right? Yeah, I, unfortunately, um, there probably wasn't much they could do, but the general rules are good hand hygiene and good peripheral hygiene. So you don't want to be in an area where there are, if you see mouse droppings, that's not an area in which you want to be. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can we expand this just a little and talk about um, swine flu? Um, the fur, there, was, there were some warnings in the last few weeks about people going to state fairs around the United States and staying away from pigs. And in fact, uh, um, today or uh, yesterday, actually, uh, there was this first report of... Um, an Ohio woman dying from a new swine flu strain. This mm -hmm. was just, just yesterday. I don't know if you saw this, and she had. Uh, I think she had been to a state fair as well. This is this is eight for. I guess you would understand. This is H three N two V. Is yeah, this something I mean, that could turn into a pandemic? Uh, well, I think that influenza always has the potential to turn into a pandemic. Uh, you know, the, the average number of deaths per year from influenza. Is around thirty thousand. Is that just um, in the United States, Brad, or worldwide? That that's just in the United States. That's a that's and, a fairly high number. Yeah, that's what it, we have a really hard time getting the public to understand is that even in non-pandemic years, influenza is one of the more deadly viral infections. It usually kills people who have underlying problems in their immune system or who are elderly. When you get the pandemic strains, as we had in two thousand nine. Um, one of the things that happens aside from the number of cases goes way up and the number of deaths goes up is that the people who die typically shift to younger people who often don't have underlying medical problems. So is there the potential? Sure. There's always the potential for influenza to hit us with a pandemic year. That's right. one of the things our public health officials are always worried about. In the case of this uh, woman from Ohio, she attended the Ross County Fair. She was 61 years old and, according to news reports, did have underlying medical uh, conditions. Um, but I gather you're not going to state fairs and petting pigs right now. Um, 
I don't think that, again, I don't think people should be letting fear drive their activities. Always we need to maintain perspective. Okay. I think that, you know, if, if there are concerns in the local area about swine flu, then it might be advisable to avoid, to avoid petting swine. On the other hand, remember that good hygiene, good hand hygiene, can often prevent transmission of these things. So even right. if you pet the pig, wash your hands. If you'd like to be, read more about the possibility of pandemics, pick up Brad Spellberg's book called Rising Plague. Brad, thanks for joining us. You bet. We'll be right back here in Rudy Max's World. Rudy Max's World phone lines are open now, so call us at 800-387-8025. We'll be back after these messages. Going on vacation? We like to think we'll never have an emergency away from home, but the truth is, accidents happen. Take Susan and her husband David. They were strolling in Munich when Susan stumbled on a cobblestone, fell, and broke her ankle. Susan needed surgery and wanted to be treated by her doctors at home. Luckily, Susan and David had a travel assistance membership from OnCall International, so they didn't need to worry. OnCall helped them with everything. Don't you want an emergency resource, too? Visit OnCallInternational.com today, or for more info, visit RudyMaxa.com under Sponsors. Geico says, let's make life simpler. Look. I'm all for modern conveniences. But ask yourself, do you really need a blender with 23 buttons just to chop an onion? At GEICO, we think life should be simpler. So we make it super simple to save on car insurance. Just one click and you could be on your way to saving hundreds. Come on, people. Life doesn't have to be that complicated. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Rising gas prices taking a bite out of your travel budget? Here's something to chew on. You can get more mileage from your travel dollar by staying at America's Best Value Inn, where you'll enjoy free continental breakfast, internet, and HBO at over 1,000 hotels in North America. Plus, join our free value club for room discounts, upgrades, and other instant rewards. Visit americasbestvalueinn.com. With value right in our name, you know you're getting a great deal. Yum. I'm happy to bring you the next chapter in a fun contest series sponsored by our friends at Travel Guard. It's one of thousands of true travel tales they receive every year. Diane and her friend were enjoying a summer cruise in the Mediterranean when her legs started to itch uncontrollably. She let it go, thinking it would get better. But when she noticed it getting inflamed and red, her mind went to her worst fear. For the rest of the story and a chance to win a Kindle, visit TravelGuard.com slash stories. Travel Guard is a worldwide leader in travel insurance and assistance. The telephone number to call the program is 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or visit the show online at RudyMaxa.com. Here again is Rudy Maxa. And this segment of the program is brought to you by the good folks at On Call International because we all know that sometimes the unexpected happens while traveling. And when it does, you can protect yourself with a reasonably priced annual membership from On Call International. Remember, it doesn't have to be foreign. We're talking domestic travel as well. The company provides the best assistance you'll need during an unforeseen medical or travel emergency, even a situation such as social or political unrest. From unexpected illnesses to life-threatening accidents, delayed luggage or legal woes, On Call International gives you the help you'll need to return home or get back to enjoying your trip. More info, OnCallInternational.com, or go to RudyMaxa.com and look under Sponsors. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the destruction of antiquities in Egypt. 
Syria has got the same problem. Christian Sonner is a grad student in Princeton, and he's been to Syria several times looking at this problem. I'd like to welcome the show today. Well, now, what took you in between 2008 and 2010 to Syria? Let's start with your background. So, uh, as you indicated, I'm a graduate student at Princeton University, and as part of my research and language training, I lived in Syria for a string of several months each year between 2008 and 2010. Um, I was studying mostly Arabic, um, but in the course of my stay there, um, would travel the country, visiting the archaeological treasures you referred to in your introductory remarks, and uh, so I got to see a lot of the country that way. And it's my impression, I have not been to Syria, but I have friends who have been. I've been trying to get there. I actually wanted to go do a TV show for my PBS series there, and then, you know, all hell broke loose, literally. Um, my impression is that outside of museums, that there are these amazing 12th and 13th century fortresses and ruins of cities that are just there, just in the country. There's nobody taking a ticket for you to see it. There's no guidebook. There aren't headphones you put on for history. Is that an accurate impression? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, coming from the United States, where our cultural and historical patrimony is so uh, tightly policed by the parks services and many other federal and state agencies, it's a great wonder in Syria to literally stumble across incredible uh, ruins of incredible beauty and, and rarity, um, basically sitting in the middle of nowhere, sitting in the middle of the deserts. Um, oftentimes there's a ticket office, but it's not much of a barrier to entry, and you can walk around these things and experience them in ways you could never experience their counterparts in, say, a place like London, Paris, or Rome, uh, let alone our national parks. So you're absolutely right. This is a country with a, a unique set of historical treasures from many different time periods. You refer to your piece to, in your piece to Roman temples, crusader castles, medieval mosques. What is going on to those, or what is happening to those things, generally speaking, uh, during this current conflict? Yeah, unfortunately, the conflict which has engulfed Syria for the past 18 months has really uh, uh, taken root in basically every corner of the country. Um, and in all these corners of the country, you have these priceless monuments, which, for a variety of reasons, find themselves in the middle of firefights, um, have found themselves converted into army bases. Um, in other instances, the collapse of security has led to the arrival of looters who come to plunder these sites. Um, there are other reports of museums uh, in particularly sort of secondary provincial cities um, away from the, main, the two main cities of Aleppo and Damascus, these succumbing to plunder and looting. And so, um, you know, what is a great human tragedy is now turning into a great tragedy for Syria's cultural and historical patrimony. And they're being looted because there is a worldwide market for these treasures, correct? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, reports of these objects surfacing outside of Syria have not come out, or at least have not come to my attention. But um, we know from other war zones in the Middle East that these are objects that are quickly exported to Europe, to the United States, for a market that's really, really hungry for, uh, for antiquities. And Syria is a treasure trove of them. And we're not talking museums that are going to put them on display. We're talking to private individuals who just want brag. Or I shouldn't. Well, yeah, they want bragging rights. Yeah, correct. I mean, uh, if you're a home decorator, there's nothing nicer than installing in your living room a beautiful Roman mosaic or a medieval statue, and Syria has them galore. Um, so unfortunately, there is a black market that fuels this plunder outside of the question of the collapse of security in Syria. 
My guest is Christian Sonner. He's a doctoral candidate in history at Princeton University. He lived in Syria between 2008 and 2010. And on August 21st, he wrote a piece called Saving Syria in the Wall Street Journal, and it called attention to the looting and plundering of some of the historical treasures, archaeological treasures in Syria now that uh, war has broke out. And I presume, is it like Egypt, Christian, where there's simply isn't anybody paying attention to these things because they're busy either being on the offensive or the defensive? Yes. The, the Syrian government has many different uh, secu- many different security agencies which are responsible for different things. And as the conflict has moved on, this sec- these security services have broken down um, through defections, through loss of morale, um, and those security resources normally deployed to protecting the monuments have mostly been deployed to the battlefield. Um, so, you know, even in the best of times, these things are lightly, lightly policed, and the security situation makes it that much worse in the context of revolution and upheaval. There is a photograph, one photograph that accompanies your piece. It's a crusader fortress, and it's called, and of course I don't speak French, so I'm going to murder it. Is it Croix de Chevalier? Yeah, correct. And tell me about this. And, 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 and the reason I, I mention it is because it looks like a great fortress, and I mean there's a conflict going on who wouldn't want to occupy the high ground on this fortress behind these god knows eight to ten feet thick stone walls yeah absolutely this is crack de chevalier which is a crusader fortress built between the 12th and 13th centuries and it stands atop of a strategic hilltop that in turn looks down upon vast sweeping agricultural plains that lead down to the troubled city of humps that we've been reading about in the newspapers for the past few months but um, as you point out, this is a crusader fortress that survived uh, you know, waves and waves of sieges in its own medieval history, um, and today is an attractive site for both opposition and for Syrian government forces, and has been subject to shelling over the past few months. Um, there are reports that some of the most beautiful features of the, uh, of the fortress, in particular crusader chapel that was converted into a mosque in the 13th century, has sustained heavy damage. And so it's, it's, it's one of many, many stories of priceless treasures succumbing to uh, becoming victims of the conflict. Um, and it's very, very hard to, to gauge the, the extent of the damage. Um, but we know that this is certainly among the most prominent sites in Syria to have been damaged. Why did the Crusaders build it in the 12th and 13th? What were they doing there at the time? And what did they need this outpost on top of a hill for? Crack de Chevalier is actually part of a network of crusader castles that dot, loosely speaking, the eastern, the eastern banks, the eastern shore of the Mediterranean, and they were crucial in, in helping these Western European forces that had set up shop in the Middle East. They were crucial in helping them establish control over the countryside. So they were almost like strategic beacons that lay at different points, often mountain passes, overlooking rich agricultural plains. And so um, Crack de Chevalier is the most famous, but there are dozens and dozens of others in Syria, Lebanon, and Israel-Palestine. And it, sound, and it sounds like if they were useful for that then, they'd be useful for that now, ex- except they've survived eight or nine centuries because back then people weren't firing rocket-propelled grenades at them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They're dealing a lot, with a lot more firepower today than they were in the Middle Ages, but it's an interesting point you raise that a lot of archaeological treasures in the Middle East have been repurposed over the centuries. Um, uh, oftentimes, temples built in the Roman period have impressive masonry. Uh, I'm thinking of a, a very famous temple 
nearby to Crack the Chevalier across the border in Lebanon, um, the foundations of which are 20 feet thick, built as a Roman temple, later reappropriated um, as a fortress, as a citadel, um, under Muslim control in the Middle Ages. And so, in a certain sense, we're looking at nearly the next stage, I think, or a further chapter in a story that we know all too well that has stretched across the centuries, namely the reappropriation of historical sites for other uses. What about towns? Um, I, we've, I'm sort of focusing on these forts uh, on top of hills looking over strategic areas. What about all the shell? We, we see every night on the news these towns that are being shelled and look like you know, abandoned cities. Are we losing things there as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of the worst-hit cities in Syria are also home to incredible historical treasures. Um, most recently, the city of Aleppo, Syria's second city in the north, not far from the Turkish border, has been home to intense fighting. And the city of Aleppo is home to a great Mamluk-era citadel uh, that in turn stands at top of a site that was home to temples and other fortresses across the ages. Um, Video and photographs online indicate that it has become a temporary home for the Syrian army. It's, it has sustained heavy shelling. Um, much of the remains of the temple of the citadel inside have been knocked over, um, and that story is repeated across many other cities in Syria. Homs, which I mentioned, the center of the resistance for many, many months. Um, Christian Sonner is a graduate student at Princeton, and uh, that's the latest report from Syria. Not good news. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm going to talk to you about a whole new website. Call now to talk to Rudy Maxa at 800-387-8025. You can also email the show anytime at info at rudymaxa.com. I'm happy to bring you the next chapter in a fun contest series sponsored by our friends at Travel Guard. After a lifetime of waiting, Kenneth and Kim had their retirement trip to Italy at last. On their final day in Rome, their guide brought them to the Trevi Fountain and told them the legend. With your back to the fountain, toss coins in the pond. Toss one and you'll return to Rome. Toss two, you'll fall in love. Toss three, you'll fall in love with Rome. For the rest of the story and a chance to win a Kindle, visit TravelGuard.com stories. Travel Guard is a worldwide leader in travel insurance and assistance. Save more of your money when you stay at America's Best Value Inn and spend more of your time doing the things you love. With over 1,000 hotels in North America, we've got you covered with free internet, continental breakfast, and hundreds of instant rewards with our Value Club. Visit AmericasBestValueIn.com. With value right in our name, you know you're getting a great deal! Participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to RudyMaxa.com. Here's Rudy Maxa. Welcome back to Rudy Maxa's World, where it is 33 minutes after the hour. There's a new website out, and it's called loveit.com, L-O-V-E-I-T, loveit.com. And I, I, I don't know if the co-founder of the site um, would necessarily agree with me, but it seems sort of like a mashup between Pinterest and uh and a blog. In other words, you can post photos, you can post words. Um, but unlike Pinterest, where sort of everything you do is anybody can grab, this you is actually branded. If you have a blog, it can lead back to your blog, etc. 
and uh, they're clearly pushing that in in a big way um, because this pinning phenomenon has emerged um, in almost a way sort of eclipsing the big news about uh, Facebook, I guess, because it's it's new. Uh, the organization of the site is quite interesting. If you happen to be near a computer, you can go on it now and, and, and see it. Love it at loveit.com. It just launched uh, um, August uh, 28th, or let's put it this way, it really sort of got sophisticated August 28th that will allow you to import your content from Pinterest boards, Pinterest boards, um, and you can obviously put stuff up there as well. I'm still learning about it. I just signed up for it, but I haven't uh, posted any photographs up there. But there are all kinds of categories. And, of course, I want to focus in on the travel category uh, for Love It. And you'll find already, even though it's a new site, quite a, fit, uh, quite a bit of postings in that regard. Um, I think we're waiting for Jeff to... Nope, no luck. Oh, we're trying to reach the CEO and having a, a little trouble. Let me uh, reach down here. Where's some? I had some extra news here. Some news I didn't give you today while we're waiting for uh, uh, the CEO of, of Love It to come on. Uh, speaking of CEOs, the CEO of British Airways this week sent out a mass email to its customers asking them to write to the British government to ask that the steady increase in taxes levied on airline tickets come to a halt. Listen to this. He said, in the last six years... The air passenger duty tax, which is the tax paid by the airline for each passenger departing a United Kingdom airport, last six years it's risen by 300% on some routes. This, as inflation, has only gone up by about 20%. CEO British Airways says increasingly high taxes act as a break on growth and jobs for the economy as a whole. Now, the problem, of course, is it's much easier to tax a diffuse group of people, in this case, airline passengers like you and me, who don't vote as a block, than a specific group. And we, as U.S. passengers, certainly know how that feels because taxes on airline art airline tickets just keep going up or special fees and so on. Um, it reminds me of the taxes that are levied on rental cars because politicians know rental cars are usually rented by out-of-town people who aren't going to vote them in or out of office next time around. So they resist taxing their constituents and, 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 and tax uh, the out-of-towners. Now, if you visit the island of Pianosa off the coast of western Italy, your dinner might be well served by a prison convict. The island whose beaches and turquoise waters attracts visitors has long had a high security prison where mafia bosses considered especially dangerous were sent before it was closed in 1998, so you don't have to worry about mafia, boss, mafia bosses waiting on you. Now convicts are back, and many are participating in an effort by a local food cooperative to train them to be cooks, bartenders, waiters, cleaners, even gift shop salesmen in a 12-room hotel run by the cooperative. Okay. These convicts who come from a prison on the nearby island of Elba cannot leave the island and are confined at night to special rooms. Now, if the island of uh, Pianosa sounds familiar, that was a fictional setting for the World War II squadron trying to keep sane in Joseph Heller's classic novel, Catch-22. All right, we are joined by Ron, Lon uh, Ron LaPierre. He is the loveit.com CEO and co-founder. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. How are you? Fine, thank you. Um, now, let's get right to it. What, of what use can your website be to a traveler? Well, Love It is about discovery. So we connect people with their friends, but we also help them discover other people, brands, and websites and blogs that share similar visual tastes. So for travel specific, Love It will introduce you to people all over the world who have the same travel dreams that you have or have been to locations that you're thinking about potentially going. Um, for example, Love It is a great place to share your pictures of a trip with a friend and others who might want to visit the same places. Um, personally, my middle daughter left home two months ago to tour the world for a year with Up With People, 
and through Love It, together we can explore and plan things she might want to see or do on her trip on stops like in, like Taiwan, the Philippines, Germany, and Switzerland. And then she, could, she can upload images on the trip to keep all of us in the loop about the incredible sights that she's experiencing. You we've know, also it's funny. got something. I'm sorry, I'm sorry go, go ahead. ahead. No, keep going. Go, keep going. No, I was going to say, we've got private collections as well, which is a great tool for travel planners um, that allow you to build a collection of images for a special trip you're planning and invite only those making the trip with you to view and possibly contribute and comment on hotels you might stay in or sites that you might see. Like my wife and I are using a private collection right now with another couple that we're planning our 25th wedding anniversary trip next spring, uh, hopefully to Bora Bora. And we can just do this together in common and, and really build our itinerary all collaborative, collaboratively on Love It. I like that. Now, can you put, uh, we just have a few seconds, uh, about 30 seconds left, Ron. I'm sorry. We, can you put copy up there? Can you explain where it is? Can you write absolutely, anything Absolutely, absolutely. You can put a, a title of the image. You can put a description of the image. Um, it's, a, it's a very image-driven site, so we don't want to write a book, right? With a, you know, you can, you can, but you can't add a little copy to give a little flavor of, of why you want to go somewhere. And someone who likes that picture can link perhaps to your blog because that will be up there as well, correct? Absolutely. That's, that's what it's all about, really, is finding amazing images, linking to the original content. So you can see the image, click, and then go back to the site and really read all about it as you plan your bucket list of travel trips. The website is called loveit.com. Ron, uh, Ron LaPierre is the CEO and co-founder. Ron, thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. We'll be right back to talk about hotel hell. Rudy Max's world is coming right back. So get on the phone now at 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. You can also enjoy the program anytime at RudyMaxa.com. My name is Jennifer. I'm 44, and I lost weight with the Amberin program. My name is Kim. I'm 47, and I lost weight with the Amberin program. I'm Jane. I'm 52, and I lost a ton of weight with the Amberin program. Even my belly fat is gone, and it was so easy. Thousands of women over 40 who used to struggle with weight gain are having incredible success with the Amberin program. That's because Amberin focuses on hormonal balance. The leading cause of weight gain in women over 40, especially during menopause, is hormonal imbalance. Until you balance your hormones, losing weight can be practically impossible. But the Amberin program balances your hormones naturally, making losing weight surprisingly easy. Plus, Amberin eliminates other symptoms of unbalanced hormones, like hot flashes, irritability, and sleeplessness. Call in the next 15 minutes to receive a complimentary risk-free trial with a 30-day supply free. Call 1-800-525-2563. That's 1-800-525-2563. 1-800-525-2563. Folks, you remember why it's so crucial to have access to travel assistance on every trip, right? Well, if you're like me, you have OnCall International. On the line is the company's CEO, Mike Kelly. Mike, why is membership with OnCall International so important? Pretty on Call International is a trusted leader in emergency evacuations. We offer medical evacuation to the hospital of your choice. We cover any trip beyond 50 miles from home, and we offer plans to fit every budget or need. Save 30% off your membership today with the code MAXA30 at OnCallInternational.com. Rising gas prices taking a bite out of your travel budget? Here's something to chew on. You can get more mileage from your travel dollar by staying at America's Best Value Inn, where you'll enjoy free continental breakfast, internet, and HBO at over 1,000 hotels in North America. Plus, join our free value club for room discounts, upgrades, and other instant rewards. Visit AmericasBestValueInn.com. With value right in our name, you know you're getting a great deal. Yum. 
I'm happy to bring you the next chapter in a fun contest series sponsored by our friends at Travel Guard. It's one of thousands of true travel tales they receive every year. Diane and her friend were enjoying a summer cruise in the Mediterranean when her legs started to itch uncontrollably. She let it go, thinking it would get better. But when she noticed it getting inflamed and red, her mind went to her worst fear. For the rest of the story and a chance to win a Kindle, visit TravelGuard.com stories. Travel Guard is a worldwide leader in travel insurance and assistance. Save more of your money when you stay at America's Best Value Inn and spend more of your time doing the things you love. With over 1,000 hotels in North America, we've got you covered with free internet, continental breakfast, and hundreds of instant rewards with our Value Club. Visit AmericasBestValueIn.com. With value right in our name, you know you're getting a great deal! Got a question or comment? Need advice? Jump on board now by calling the show at 800-387-8025 or visit the show anytime at RudyMaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Maxa's World. Welcome back to America's Most Popular Radio Show. It's 43 minutes after the hour, and this segment is brought to you by our friends at Travel Guard. It's a chartist company and a worldwide leader in travel insurance. Travel Guard provides products and services to millions of travelers around the globe. It helps leisure and business travelers alike solve problems and manage risks. And right now, if you visit TravelGuard.com forward slash stories, TravelGuard.com forward slash stories, you can read the newest story in a series of true, very short travel tales and be eligible for a chance to win a new Kindle. Every year, Travel, Guards receive, travel Guard receives thousands of stories from travelers about their experiences. And in this latest one, a couple celebrates their retirement with a trip to Italy. And upon learning about the legend of the Trevi Fountain, their trip takes an unpredictable turn. You can find out the true ending to the story and earn a chance to win a Kindle by going to TravelGuard.com forward slash stories. In San Francisco, excuse me, in San Diego's famous Gas Lake District, there's a hotel called the Keating Hotel. And it is owned by a real estate developer named Eddie Kane, K-A-E-N. And he's joining me today uh, because his hotel was featured in a new series on Fox starring celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay called Hotel Hell. You may know that Gordon Ramsay over the past few years has had a series in which he goes into restaurants and tells everybody what they're doing wrong and remakes the restaurant. Well, now he's turning his acerbic uh, uh, sense of, um, well, his acerbic sense of humor and his critical eye to hotels. And one of them was Eddie's Hotel. And Eddie is kind enough to join me from the Keating Hotel in San Diego. Eddie, welcome to Rudy Max's World. Hi, Rudy. How are you? Fine. Thank you very much. You are one tough, thick-skinned guy who was able to sublimate his ego for a show that was pretty brutal on your hotel, right? Yeah. Unbelievable. Let, let me just let's just play a cl clip in case listeners haven't heard heard of it. Go ahead, uh, Jeff. Why would you take one of the most high spec cars anywhere in the world and turn it into a hotel? I don't know where he's coming from, but it does piss me off. I designed the Keating to be the perfect hotel for me, not for him. Where should I start? The floor. It's all scuffed and marked. When you have a resin floor, it needs to be updated. I mean, everything's just marked to hell. It feels cheap. Um, the sheets. You can't call yourself a luxury hotel if you don't have beautifully pressed sheets. Okay. What's the idea behind sitting here? So when you have guests, you know, we can sit down and talk. And... Yeah, but where's the sofa? Where's the table? Where's the fun? Do you know what hurt the most? 
I got soup served in a plastic bowl. It was a chicken parmesan slider that tasted like it was cooked three days ago. Who in the would put a chicken parmesan slider together? There's things that don't go in sliders, and chicken parm is one of them. That was my idea. But you're laughing as if it's funny, and you think because you own the place, you can put that in a roll and sell it. I don't know what he's talking about. This place is not bad. So I think Gordon's comments were complete you're trying to convince me this is your idea wow. of luxury. Uh, Eddie, the guy, the guy was tough on you. I was feeling sorry for you there. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning. How did your hotel come to be one of the featured hotels in this series of shows? Did you reach out to this show? Did they reach out to you? No, um, I actually got contacted by them, um, and they basically came to me to, to see if I wanted to participate in a new TV show with Gordon Ramsay. Um, you know, at first I was a little hesitant about it, you know, but I thought through it, and, you know, with Gordon having, you know, four of the most popular TV shows right now, um, I figured there'd be more good than bad that would come out of it. Um, and, you know, having the chance to meet Gordon and having him, you know, come to the hotel and see what he can do, I thought would be amazing. And do you know how they came across your hotel? Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, they had, there was a casting agent that I knew that had uh, contacted me in the past about doing another show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she contacted me again, say, "Hey, there's this new show. We actually were the pilot for the show, right? So they didn't really know where the show was going at first. Um, and then after they filmed the pilot, um, I guess they really liked it, so they filmed the whole series. So we ended up being the third show in the series, right? Um, but we were actually filmed. We were the first one filmed. And what were the ground rules in the beginning? Because, I mean. <laughs> At least the way the chronology unfolded in the in the hour show was that. Uh, and by the way, you can see the show at Amazon.com. I'll tell you about that in a moment. Um, he was so brutal on you. If I were a hotelier, I might have just gone. You know, I don't want to be in the show. Go away. What kind of ground rules were established in the beginning? Um, actually, you know, it's one of those things. I think once you start it, you get going. Um, you know, I knew that. I knew some of the energy needed to be created for the show. I mean, that's what makes him popular and what makes the show such hits. I mean, if you don't have drama, you don't really have the reality TV these days. Right. Um, you know, a little tough at the beginning, but I was open to the experience and the opportunity. Um, and I think the experience overall was a positive one. All right, we're going to take a break, Eddie, and come back with you after a commercial break and talk about the experience and the payoff at the end. Uh, well, if you felt there was a payoff at the end, I want to hear a lot more about the hotel. Stay with us. We're talking with Eddie Kane. He's the owner of the Keating Hotel in San Diego. We're talking about Hell Hotel, the TV show. We'll be right back. To participate in the program and speak with Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. To join Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025. You can email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Maxa's World. Okay, here's the setup. Celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay decides to turn his attention to hotels, and Fox launches a new series. It's been on several weeks now. The last one is uh, coming up this Monday evening on Fox at 8 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. It's called Hotel Hell. And one of the hotels he chose is the Hotel Keating in the Gaslight District of San Diego. Joining me on the air is Eddie Kane, the owner of that hotel. And if you were listening uh, about a few, four minutes ago, we played a clip from that show in which Gordon didn't like the hotel. He was beaten up on Eddie. Eddie was not happy about it. 
Um, but in the course of how long did uh, he stay at the hotel, Eddie? It was about a week. So in the course of that week, he suggested uh, and recommended very strongly and acerbically changes in uh, the hotel systems, the way they did their laundry, the restaurant menu, the decor of the rooms, the color of the lobby. Um, Eddie, at some point, it seems like it seemed like you started to agree with him. <laughs> uh, I have to say, you know, reality TV is you know almost anything but reality. But it's amazing what they can do up there in Hollywood. <laughs> I mean. I mean, in that week, he redesigned a room, brought in new furniture, changed the menu, put new things on, uh, changed changed the color of the lobby. Did uh, did you agree with the editing of that show? Did it did it present something close to reality? Well, I mean, I think it it made for great TV the way it was edited. Right. Um, but definitely, you know, there's a lot of you know a lot of drama was created. Um, a lot of things were kind of you know out of context. But uh, you know, overall, I think it. It made for good TV, um, you know, gave us good exposure out there for the hotel. Uh, well, I'm going to get to the bottom line in a minute. Yeah, your chef fainting certainly was uh, right on cue for television, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't mean to minimize. I don't mean <laughs> to minimize that. All right, let me ask you some 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 bottom line questions then. Sure. He changed the decor of your room quite a of your of a room quite a bit. Have you carried that out through the rest of the hotel? Yeah, he um, he actually redid. The room he redid now, we've called it the Victory Suite by Gordon Ramsay. Okay. Um, that came up because he, you know, he took a picture. I don't know if you saw at the beginning of the show. They have the pictures of all the Welcome to the Keating with all the different members of the hotel using their hands. Yes, I did. Um, so he put a V, you know, for Victory over the bed. Oh. Um, so that's why we call it the Victory Suite. Okay. Um, but so what we're doing is we've taken the changes that he incorporated in that suite, and um, you know we're updating the other three suites we have like that with that jacuzzi in the room. Right. And um, the next one actually we you know we're doing something with McCallum, so it's going to be a McCallum suite. And so we're we're going to do is we're going to theme those suites. Okay. Um, and so the next one, like I said, is the McCallum suite. Um, the changes we did in the rest of the hotel, I mean, we basically you know we took it as an opportunity to you know look at what we had and stuff, and like we up. We updated our amenities in the rooms. Now we're using, like, organic products. And, you know, we took the changes in the restaurant and kind of done a farm-to-table concept. Great. Um, Do you still have the same chef there? Do you still have the same chef, Eddie? Uh, No. The chef actually moved on. Uh, But but the Ramsey's menu items are still there, and the restaurant's doing great. I was going to ask if restaurant business has picked up. Yeah. And, And do you have the same general manager? Okay. Because um, you know, <laughs> they all had some harsh yeah, I mean, words. Yeah, practically the entire staff is still here. Okay. Our jam Sandra is fantastic. We still have Smudge, our little hotel dog mascot. <laughs> right. He's a I, local celebrity these days. I will say, as a hotel freak myself, I did agree with Gordon. The room looked very uncomfortable without a sofa, without some soft chairs. Um, I, I, I will go with him there, and I'm glad you're, you are changing it. Have you stayed in touch with Gordon? Um. A little bit. I mean, you know, we're both busy, and sure. um, so you know, it's really hard to get in touch with each other. Um, but you know, he gave me his info and stuff. You know, before he left. Right. And and have you? I mean, has the show just came out? Just went aired last week or a couple weeks ago? Yeah. And and has there been an uptick in business? Yeah, there there has been. I mean, there's you know, it's funny. Some people come by. You know, they feel bad for you know what what he did to me on TV, and they come by and they want to check out the hotel and 
check out the restaurant. It's kind of funny. <laughs> well, I, I can understand it because, Eddie, I know you're, uh, I, I mean, I'm guessing you're a self-made man. I, I know you've done very well in business, or you wouldn't be able to afford a hotel and a restaurant that apparently were losing money for a while. Um, and I know you really wanted to design the hotel after car, the Ferrari, the red uh, that, that, that you're fond. Do you own a Ferrari, by the way? Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and, I, and I agree with Gordon. Your first, your first person to appeal to is the guest, not to your vanity or your ego. So it just looked like it was it was tough on you, but I got to hand it to you. I think you rose above it, and I, I think I think you I think you learned from it. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, a lot of that, a lot of the ego stuff, like I said, was kind of cut and pasted into there. Uh-huh. I'm, I've always been very passionate about real estate and development. Right. And I had the dream of creating, you know, kind of like the Ferrari of hotels, and the historic heating building in downtown San Diego presented the perfect opportunity to kind of merge that old world with the new luxury in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously in the show it looks like everything was about me, but you know that's the show. You need that to make the show. Yeah, you, we had to have a had to have a villain, and you were it in the beginning. Although you were the hero at the end. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to come out there in San Diego and visit it at some point, uh, uh, Eddie, Please. and um, maybe we'll Please have you back do. on the show and check. You know, see six months on how things are going. How about that? Okay, that sounds great. I'd love to have you down in San Diego. Thank you. Eddie Kane is the owner of the Keating Hotel in the Gaslight District of San Diego. Stop in and say hello to him. Say you heard about him on Rudy Max's World. Hey, I want to thank my uh, producer, Anna Schofield, my engineer, Jeff Ryder, and our stations for carrying our show and our listeners for listening. See you again next weekend. Have a lovely Labor Day weekend. You've been listening to Rudy Max's World, and as always, you're hearing must-hear radio on the SSI Radio Network.